Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like them apples, Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth Houser, locked into the final Mile High podcast for the 2015-2016 season. Uh, we're going to date it April 10th, 2016, but it's going to be good for a while. Coming up on the show, we look back to a little bit. We look back a little bit with a long-reaching three up, three down, and we look ahead at moves for the summer. But before we play the whoosh, I've got the full panel of regular disembodied voices back this week. Joining us from what is rapidly becoming known as the best Carolina, it's Earl 06. Hey, Earl. Hello. Checking in from BSN Denver once again, it's AJ Hayfley. Welcome back, AJ. Hi, you, sir. And finally, the pack leader checks in. It's Ryan Murphy. Hey, Ryan. Howdy, Steph. Let's uh, get into it. We got a lot to do today. The Avs played some games this week. They didn't matter much. They lost eight of their last nine, including all of these. On Sunday night, after we recorded the show last week, Avs get crushed 5-1 by the St. Louis Blues, with Matt Duchesne's 30th, with five minutes to play, being the only Colorado tally. He celebrated, Wa got pissed, the whole hockey world talked about it for a few days, and we're all sick of it, so that's all we're going to get into that here. On Tuesday, the Avs drop 1-4-3 to the National Predators, finally bowing out mathematically the worst playoff race I can really remember. Because uh, how many games has everyone lost at this point? All of them. Um, Jerome McGinley, and Sean Mathias got on the board for Colorado, but it wasn't enough. Then the Avs fell 4-2 to the Stars in a game that made no difference, and then gave the Ducks two points of their own in game 82 on Sunday, 5-3. So, much bigger stories on Sunday than the actual game were a couple of uh, little media availabilities between uh, Wah post-game and Sackett pre-game. And there was a lot more said at those things than really, like, came out, I think. Either that or I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention. So, uh, AJ, what was the gist of the Sackett conference? Uh, most of it was, you know, is, is Wa going to be back next year? Which, of course, it was yes. And where, where did you guys go wrong this year? Which was, you know, his his contention was that the team just left too many points on the table by... And it sounded it started to sound a lot like a Patrick Waugh soundbite immediately when he started when Sackick started talking about managing the game better. And it it was not that interesting, honestly. Uh it was it was just your typical they 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 left too many points. There the defense needs to be better. We have to manage the game better. There are some different things that they have to that they're gonna try next year. Uh, they don't feel like it's all on the coaching staff. They feel like a lot of a lot of it is on the core players. That the core guys just need to develop the consistency to be the best players every night. And you know, I think you know, there's there's probably some truth to that. But that was that that was the gist of of the Sackett press conference was. It's. It's on all of us, you know. He he says that he needs to be better. Patrick needs to be better, and the best players need to be the best players on a night-to-night basis. So, you know, nothing nothing revelatory, I guess. So a Joe Sackett conference wasn't very interesting. <clears throat> um, you know, I, there were some interesting things said. You know, the I, I it was encouraging to hear that. They they feel that they need to try some different things um, next season. 
that Bigra and Zadorov are, are expected to be opening night uh, parts of of the lineup. That um, you know, then and that they're not out of the running for signing JT Comper. So that's nice. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Comper a little bit later. Um, it is encouraging that they're planning on having Zadorov with the team probably for '82 next season, since uh, most of us pretty much were in agreement. I know that Ryan and I were last week on what it should have could have that uh, Zadorov should have been with the team all season after his after his second after that he came back up the second time. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so let's uh, let's look back at the at the year for three up and three down. Uh, we can kind of go around and who were three guys that you were impressed with positively, and who were three that let you down, and. They can be from pretty much anywhere in the organization. You can put Patrick Waugh in there for all I care. And this is open to anybody. <laughs> well, I'll start then. Um, let me start first with Carl Soderberg. Um, I, I think he made good on his uh, free agent promise there. I mean, he ended up with 51 points. Not a prolific goal scorer. Uh, ended up with 12, but... He was a good facilitator for on a number of different lines, and uh, he is the correct third center for this team going forward. Uh, I know a lot of people think that's a lot of money, but uh, I think that's what it's going to cost. We got one. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, I, I, I thought Soderberg played very well in his role um, once once he got away from the rookies in the, the early part of the season and you know, I, I think it took Patrick a little while to figure out, you know, who he would gel with and what his role best would be. But um, you know, we really haven't had a, a defensive center uh, like that that just sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and a major penalty kill uh, contributions as well. I mean, it, it can't be overlooked. Yeah, because I mean, he was sort of touted as an, an offensive guy who wasn't so hot on defense coming over. So it, it, to me, that just you know, it's nice that he was able to adapt to that role and, and still score a bunch. Set up his friends to score a bunch. He he uh, has yeah. a, a stunning amount of vision for a dude with one good eye. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ferris Bueller can donate his eye to, to Carl Soderberg. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I'll go with Mikhail Grigorenko. Um I, you know, I, I was hopeful that he would really, you know, thrive after a while in the Av system and, and getting back with Patrick after being coached in juniors uh, by Patrick. Um, but I, I think he's really shown that he's going to be a, a nice part of that trade and not just a throw in. And that what Buffalo did, you know, that I'm sure they had their reasons, but. He was mismanaged, and it you know it didn't destroy him. And the Avs have something nice going forward with him. Would anybody be surprised if he scored forty five points next year? No. Yeah, perhaps like a defensive left wing role or a third line center, maybe. It depends where he plays. I mean, yeah. it, it depends on how he plays and how you know how much the team scores. If they scores if they score at the rate they did this year, then yeah, it would be a surprise. If they go back to where they were a couple of years ago, then then I could see it. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking at a team in a lot of flux. So, with with the with them announcing publicly that they want to do things very differently, 
I, I really do kind of wonder how much we can predict things like numbers for next season on guys who aren't at the very top. Um, because we don't know for sure what Grigorenko's role is going to be or how much ice he's going to see. Um, but a 45-point pace over the season would be pretty nice, no matter, depending on how many games he actually plays. I mean, you can never hold, inju hold an injury against a guy oh, yeah. for, the most for the most part. I still think I see him on a power play role, at least along the half boards. Um, you know, he's been effective as a facilitator. And uh, I think that's probably where he sees a scoring increase because he's going to see more of that time earlier on in the year. Boy, that uh, needs to be better. <laughs> I hope that's better. Probably not a first unit guy, but definitely second unit. Sure. Um, for a name for myself to throw out, I would look at either uh, Matt Duchesne for getting his 30 goals this year um, or to Tyson Berry for maintaining point production that I was a little bit uh, wary about seeing two years in a row, and we did. I was he's he's always going to be the guy who's got his you know problems on in his own end. He's not an Eric Carlson caliber of puck mover, um, but he does play that same similar type of game. And apparently, that's something that we're going to be able to look forward to is a lot of production from Tyson Berry. I expect it to fall off a lot more than it did for sure. Mm -hmm. I'll take something AJ said on Twitter the other day. You know, does it disturb you? that he had great production up until the beginning of March and then pretty much nothing for the rest of the way. You know, is it, is that something that is a concern for him or it just falls onto the whole team being crapola? Um, I think a lot of that is going to turn out to be context based Yeah. because, um, as the season went on, his partner became worse and worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> And he can only throw the team on his back so much when he, if he also has to put the pairing on his back. I want to see him with somebody other than Nick Holden is what I'm getting at here. <laughs> well, and last, year, last year we said we want to see him with somebody other than Nick Ginnon. No, And we got what we wished. We just, you have to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> uh, it's natural progression. Steady progression. It's, it's better than Ginnon. It's better than Ginnon. Yep. Yeah. Still be better. <laughs> Who would you guys like to see in that role going forward with the defense they currently have? Oh, what that they currently have? Z. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Z end up there myself, too. I, that's what I was thinking the other day. I don't think that's going to work out so good because it, 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 I, I think Zadorov is going to be a lot more offensive than people think. And down You're in offensive. The NHL, yeah. Down in the AHL, he really played well with guys that were more sort of solid defensively than with the puck movers. When he was with Max Nero, he was he wasn't that great at all. But um, don't laugh when he got put with Nate Gannon, he really took off. Do you think he'd be more effective with an Eric Johnson, even with first pairing minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that's that's a possibility. I mean, if you wanted to go with Big Z and, and EJ and then put Bushman with Barry, I, I think that might be a, a good way to to start things. And you're not going to play, play Tyson Barry 28 minutes a night, so that would bring Bushman's ice time down too. Maybe he wouldn't fall off so hard. Which would be smart. Yeah. 
because uh, as we start to transition maybe into three down for our disappointments from this season, boy, that was a guy that fell off really hard. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, you know, I, I hate blaming things on injuries that you can't explain like that, but it just, you know, it can't just be from being tired the whole time, can it? Never been a 35-year-old defenseman in the NHL. <laughs> you know, I'm seven and I get tired easily, but I mean, <laughs> he seems to be in a lot better shape than I am. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've seen him do this with Anaheim, too. It, yeah. It's not a new phenomenon with Francois Beauchemin that he would start to struggle as the year goes on. Yeah, I don't think you can wholly put him in the, the disappointment category because I think he's was at least... I think he was as effective as what we expected. I think we predicted his season beforehand. I think we foresaw the drop-off. I think his point production was pretty similar to last year. and uh, Tied his career high. Right. Uh, I don't think he had as many goals, did he, as last year? It was like 11, maybe, but... Yeah, but he had 26 assists compared to 12 last year. Right. Does he need to be playing the power play next year? No. Nope. Nope. That's an easy minute saver right there. Yeah. I, I think also with with, with Z and, and Bigra, I, I think they should be eased into that and, and rest Bosch for those minutes. You've got Johnson. You've got Barry. You've got Bigra. You've got Zadorov. If you want Boschman killing penalties, you don't need to play him in all situations. Yeah. I don't even think you need to force him into all penalty kill situations either, depending on what they do <coughs> beyond those guys, depending on you know if Nick Holding comes back or not. And here's a thought. Let maybe he doesn't need to play the last three minutes of the game when you're down when you're when you're up by one. <laughs> Without getting off the ice. <laughs> right. Without getting off the ice. Sheesh. Without a coach timeout. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, you know, people are predicting doom with him, and and it's inevitable that he's going to keep slowing down just like Aginla has. But I, I think if his minutes are controlled a little bit better, that it, it, you know, he can still be very productive on both ends of the ice. But it right, just, it's he, important. They, so they just need to learn the cues that he's, you know, don't let him get to the point he got to in the middle of last month where he's out of gas. We saw a very different Francois Beauchemin on October. He was active and successful with things he was doing and, and getting lucky too, but um, he was he was playing a lot more of, uh, of an upbeat game <clears throat> than he was as the year dragged on. And his you know time on ice went up and up and up and up and up. I mean, I, I think his time on ice going up is a function of, you know, the, the, the ghost sixth defenseman problem that we've had, you know, since December, really. Yeah, we talked about that some last week where we kind of agreed that we would love to see Boschman's minutes come down, except the problem is who do you give them to? And, you know, and this year I think it could have been some of the younger players. I, I think you bite the bullet and do that. And I, I think by next year they would have been more prepared for those minutes. Uh, you know, but the team tried to compete this year. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't see the logic of playing, you know, a, a defenseman that little, 
and being fine with it for months. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, Especially when you had Zadorov come up in January and put on a pretty good show for everybody. Two out of three games. Yeah. And then you then you send him back down and you keep playing Chucky and Reds and that you know. That didn't make any sense. I think I think we're gonna head scratch forever about that Bodner Chuck pickup. It's even hard it's hard to even call that one a disappointment because they picked him up and then we're just like, Why? And then what we figured was gonna happen happened. With with Boschman being kind of in the middle there, but not necessarily on the downside either. Who who would we put on the downside of this one? We've already talked about Nick Holden, so that's kind of a boring answer. <laughs> um, can I say again, Lo? Yeah. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I mean, it's it's nice that he had. 22 goals again this year, but I think 13 of them were on the power play. Yeah. A power play designed to give mm-hmm. Akinla goals. Right. So nine even strength goals is really, really discouraging given that he's going to make a lot of money next year. And that's that makes me nervous. You know, that he was a negative 22 makes me nervous. Um, you know, that really everything about his game slowed down and became borderline ineffective. <clears throat> He's gonna, he really, he really should not play more than about 13 or 14 minutes a game next year. And it should, obvi- it'll obviously be heavy power play usage, but it's that five V five though. I, you just. Do you, do you put you know him in what? the top six when he's on the ice and then have no, a backup? No, I don't think so. I mean, do you put him on the fourth line? Can he play that role? I you Well, given given what happened with the fourth line the second half of the season, why not? I mean, would he be <laughs> would he be significantly worse off than what Jack Skilly gave at that, at that spot? Yeah. yeah. Plus, he's still physical enough. He can play that role in Patrick Waugh's eyes. I mean, he's still going to go hit somebody when he's out there. You know, he could put a shot on goal, you know, and get the puck up ice every once in a while. I mean, that's more effective than a lot of the players we saw in that line this year. I think I'd rather see him more on a third line than a fourth um, because you need your third line to be able to chip in a little bit, and he'd be facing competition that's not nearly as heavy. He would be getting more limited ice time, and then he could slot in with top guys on the power play. I think that's kind of a happy medium as we – uh, bite the bullet on this third year of Aginla's contract that most people said was going to be the rough one when the second one was already pretty rough. Uh, the and, se- uh, I mean, it was it was manageable. It was just that they had to, you know, and Wah, I think Wah figured it out pretty early on that, okay, this is not a guy I can throw out there for 18 minutes a game anymore. And, you know, he slowly began moving him down the lineup as the season went on. And even towards the end, you know, McKinnon got hurt, Duchesne got hurt. The answer wasn't, hey, let's just throw a bunch of minutes at Jerome McGinley because we have him. It was, we have to look for other solutions. We've got we've to look elsewhere. <coughs> and, you know, I, 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 think, I think knowing what Aginla is now, having a lot better feel for the decline you know, not coming off a 29 goal season where he led the team in scoring. I think, I think next year his usage will be a lot more appropriate. And I don't think he'll be 
nearly the detriment overall that he was. I mean, obviously he's not gonna they're gonna magically turn into a positive uh, possession player for the Avs, but I think they're gonna be able to mitigate the damage, and you can effectively, you know, squeeze the last bit of goal scoring juice out of him in a in a in a smart, efficient manner. And we're seeing other evidence of the coaching staff recognizing these aging problems as well. We never saw Brad Stewart see the ice again. We saw him trade Alex Tangay. In a, and before that, we saw Tangay's minutes plummet. Right. Uh, and we're seeing the coaching staff uh, adjust to these playing situations uh, appropriately, I think. I don't know if they had... Uh, I mean, uh, again, they were forced to play quite a few minutes just because of bodies, but... You know, I think the decisions on the other two are encouraging. Yeah, I think Joe even said during his presser that mm-hmm. you know that they weren't going to look to sign an older guy. As yeah, a free they weren't going to sign an older guy on a longer deal. Yeah, um, and also I think you know I think the staff went into this season thinking that Aginla was you know he's coming off a twenty nine goal season that you know he would be in the top six, and you know. Juggling something like that on the fly is a lot different than having a summer to prepare for it. You know, right. they can sort of plan how they're going to use Jerome throughout the year over the summer and, and sort of craft a lineup that, that it works with. Well, um, let me give you a third guy. Um, John Mitchell is somebody I feel underperformed this year. and I was going to say him too, yeah. Yep. Not at first because I think like a lot of others, I really liked how that fourth line came out this year, but what happened to him in the last three, three and a half months is just awful. I mean, it's just inexcusable and he's making $1.8 million next year. And if they're looking for cap room, I, I bet they can find another fourth line center, uh, in their system. They and might that, already have one even, you know, they might already have one. Yeah. He's going to be playing for USA at the world championships. Yeah. <clears throat> So um, I have a hard time holding the decline of John Mitchell against John Mitchell because in the last couple of years, he's taken some rather major injuries. He had a long-term concussion problem. He had that ridiculous back thing where he folded in half. I mean, Puck to the face. Puck, numerous pucks to the face. Those, those, are, those are buffs for John Mitchell. He doesn't give a shit. Um, but he's, just, he's gotten really beaten up over the last couple of years, and it's almost to be kind of expected that he would start to decline, but boy, has he ever declined, and he's on my down list as well. He's not getting a lot of help on the lines he's played on either. I mean, he's... But the counter-argument to that is he's played on top lines for this team when they've needed him, and he hasn't helped those lines either. So... (laughs) Quite the opposite. Right. Let's play this fun game that I've been playing the last couple of days. (laughs) Give me, give me a second to figure this out. Let's see here. What is it, 2016? He's been here for a couple nope. years. Yeah. Let's see here. His most common line mate since he's been in Colorado. This is going to be so depressing. I think, I think it is too. <laughs> um, you got Cody McLeod, Max Talbot, and this is where it starts to go downhill in a huge, huge, oh my God. It was downhill from there. Oh, dude. Jerome Aginla, <laughs> Jerome Aginla, Alex Tangay, Jamie McGinn, Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, Matt Duchesne, Dennis Everberg, 
And then Jack Skilly, Andreas Martinson, Paul Stasny, Blake Como, Carl Soderberg. It just shows you how often in his tenure with Colorado, John Mitchell was miscast. Yeah, it's what I was getting to, yes. <laughs> Holy crap. And it's not like his production has been up and down <laughs> throughout the years. No. no matter who he's playing with, he's, let's see, 10 goals, 11 goals, 11 goals, 10 goals. I mean, 20 points, 32 points, 26 points, 21 points. I mean, he's right in John Mitchell range right there. Yeah. Which is a fourth-line center. A decent scoring fourth-line center, but... Well, let me throw this man. out there. Do you think that there is something he could do to his game? And and not that I want him back, but you know, let's say they don't trade him. Do you think there's something he could do to his game that the staff could help him with um, that could turn him back into a productive player, perhaps with a different style or, you know, yeah, maybe, you know, taking his age into consideration, like, Hey, you're not fast anymore. You got to kind of play like this, you know, I mean, would that work? Yeah, learn to pass a fucking puck. <laughs> well, <laughs> quit going full Malkin. You should, you should have done that earlier. <laughs> Old but, habits. I think if he were to commit himself to being a, a very strong defensive center uh, on a checking line, uh, you know, as opposed to a supplementary scoring center, I, I think he could probably prolong his career a little longer. I I hope he takes a look because that guy he's gonna be a better coach than player someday if he wants to be, because when you sit down and you have a conversation with him, he he sees the game at such a high level and he's so intelligent. But when you actually watch him play, like like yesterday, watching him fly down the left wing, they've got a they've got a little three on two developing, and he just pulls up. And he just plays his way out of it, and the puck gets turned over, and it ends up being a break the other way. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like fucking John Mitchell. Like it's, I saw it, I saw it nine thousand times this season. Where I just he's I, cursed because he has good hands, and uh, it makes him make these decisions. <laughs> he has good hands to handle the puck, but not to do anything else with it. Right, like he's got good dangles and all that, and he can he can work around people, but. One, I mean, he's got trouble finishing. I mean, you look at, oh, he's consistent. He's got the 10 goals. He had a 9.9 shooting percentage. He has got a career shooting percentage of 10.1. So it's right in line with all of his abilities, right? But you think about all the opportunities he had over the last couple of weeks, standing oh. right by himself in front, of, in front of goals, and you're just like, dude... You legitimately could have added six goals to your total just in the last three weeks. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what his uh, total shooting percentage is to include like missed shots as well, because uh, that's a thing. Yeah, the good old skated in, skated down, skated around and around and off the backboard. And again, you know, you can argue that he's got Cody McLeod to pass to. I mean, that's an argument that one could make, but he makes the same plays with top players on the Avalanche, too. Right. Yeah. Him having 11 assists this year was not a function of Cody McLeod. Right. It was it was a function of the way he plays. Right. So with uh, 
with us having settled on three up and three down, let's move on to the future. Uh, this year was a, a wholesome blend of fun and pain, so I'm curious to see what the offseason is going to bring. Uh, we'll do a couple episodes around the draft and free agency with plenty of time for specifics, uh, but let's look at the summer with a lot of the pieces we already have or know about. Uh, we can see changes across all levels of the Avs, except coaching, because Sackett already announced Wall will remain next season. And I'm going to go right there quickly. Is this the right move? Yes, it is. Um, Patrick himself? Yeah. yeah. It is. Uh, to do the same thing he has been doing? Uh, no. But I think he's a good motivational coach. I think he pushes buttons well when he needs to. He has to be better strategically. He needs new ideas, and the Avalanche need to have a different approach going into next season. And, you know, they've alluded to it in press conferences, but you give him one more year, and then you have to really take a serious look at whether or not the team's going to progress with him at the helm. Yeah, I've been saying for a while that I think Patrick's a, he's a good motivator, he's a good manager, but technically he's he's either bad or behind the times. It doesn't really matter. He's a goalie for life. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I just think I think his supporting cast is, is, you know, below average to be kind. And, you know, I, I think they really should consider changing at least one of the coaches, the assistant coaches, um, just to bring in someone that's just, you know, maybe not a good people person, maybe not ready to manage a whole team, but that has good ideas, that that will work. Um, and I think that could make Patrick a lot better. You guys familiar with Doc Rivers at all? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's what I. That's Clippers what I. Coach. That's what I'm afraid of with Patrick Waugh. Is that is that he has a ceiling? No, is that is that, you know, Doc Rivers started out really hot and he I mean, he won Coach of the Year in his second season. He was coaching a not very good Orlando Magic team, and uh, they overachieved a little bit early on in his tenure, and it raised the bar for expectations. He got fired, uh, I think, twelve games or so into his fourth season. And, you know, took the year off and then went on to win a couple. I think he won a championship with the Celtics, lost another one in game seven and has been a top five coach in the NBA since. But it took a lot of growing pains to get him there. His first couple years, tactically, he wasn't there. He was a great players coach. Starting to sound familiar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about this for a few weeks that. I'm I'm nervous he's going to turn into Doc Rivers and that we're going to be the first we we being the Avalanche. Colorado is going to be that first blip on a on an overall a successful coaching career, but you know, it's going to take him getting fired here first for him to make the necessary adjustments to take that next step. And then when he inevitably starts coaching Montreal after they fire Michelle Terrien after next season, which is happening by the way. Yeah. That's... If was available, that's happening. Right, like he's gonna get fired after after next season in Colorado because they're not gonna make the playoffs again. He's gonna go to Montreal and he's gonna have a successful ten years coaching coaching the Habs. Like it's all playing out, setting it is setting up so perfectly, and I just I'm just nervous that it's gonna end up he's gonna be Doc Rivers and that he's got all the makings of a good coach. He's 
the hard stuff, in my opinion, he's got down. He just needs to be... He needs he needs to be a little more open-minded. He needs to take a little bit more of an honest look inwards about some of the things that he does and how his team plays. So... Well, do you, think that this, do you think that this season could be enough of an eye-opener? Because, I mean, all we've heard, you know, is, is disappointment from both Joe and he about this season. I mean, could this well, be they, a they lost six in a row at the end. I know. All I, they had to do was win three of them, and they would have made the playoffs. I know. It's, just, it's, it's a gut punch. <laughs> but do you think that this could be enough of, of an incident like that, akin to getting fired the way Doc Rivers was in, in Orlando? that he can turn it around from here with the Avs. Um, repeat the question. It's a long question. Yeah. Do you Basically, think do you think this is a, enough of a, an event to cause a catharsis that will ch- cause him to change like being fired? I'm hope I'm hoping so. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm, and I think it can happen. Yeah, no, I totally think the possibility is there. God damn it. The Islanders just scored. <laughs> Son of a bitch. No, I I think I think the possibility is definitely there. I think towards the end of the year, he, did, you know, we started to hear it in the interviews. He was so frustrated. He was just by the end of it, like he just wanted to shake all of his players and just be like, "Stop it!" And I, you know, I hope I hope honestly that the way that it happened. Do you think that they will <clears throat> consider changing the assistant coaches? Yes. I hope they pretty much clean house behind the bench. If if Wall remains, then I I would like to see no other assistants remain personally. I'm fine with that. I, I, I just I, I don't see a lot of upside for either guy. No, I mean the problems with Dave Farish were well documented before he arrived here, and what happened exactly what happened in Toronto. And. Uh, this team can't afford that at all. Yeah, I mean, I, Tim I, Army, I think they like, but bring in a new perspective at least. As, as Tim Army, they like, but he's he's been around for several shit years. I don't, right. How much of that can you lay at his feet? I without being in the room with the team, I honestly don't know. I just know that's a persistent face on a persistently not very good team. Right. Yeah, I mean. D- Dave Farish, I mean, the system that he wants to run, if I understand it correctly, you know, has been run in the past and and maybe even currently by several teams. But it's generally sort of more skillful teams, better defensive teams that can run that system. I I think it's an ill fit. And he hasn't shown that he can, you know, change it up enough that the guys on the avalanche can run it. So. If he can't, you know, sort of change with the times and implement something new, and and I don't see why he could, honestly, because it's just he's you know he's not a young guy, he's not bringing anything new to the table. You know, I, I just I think it's just a bad fit. It's been kind of interesting to watch the pressure on Ferris change throughout the season, um, because as the as the season began and the team kind of tried to adjust to what his system was doing, and Varlamov was <laughs> at the time. Then yeah. it was all fairish, and then all of a sudden <laughs> you see number one. Remember that he can stop a puck, and we started talking about well, why isn't Duchesne doing things, and why don't we feed Landeskog to Gordorg? And what, it's just like 
everyone forgot of the, about the problems they were complaining about earlier because suddenly the goalie's catching pucks. I think it was that, and I think the the changes that they made the neutral zone and the forecheck helped for a while, and, and why that changed again after just a month, I don't know, but that took pressure off of Ferris's system. I don't know if they did that just to, I don't know, buy some time for the guys to get more comfortable in the system or not, but, you know, when it, it all comes down to the fact that it didn't work, and it worked worse at the end of the year than it did at the beginning. It sounds like we're pretty much in agreement on this one all around it's, the room. You know, I'd fire Dave Farish because I think he sucks at developing players. <laughs> I think there's plenty of of evidence for that. Plenty. I, I just the the amount of time if you if the distinct difference between watching Tim Army work with some of the some of the forwards and seeing what he was able to get out of some of those guys. You know, I don't I don't think Martinson is a long term NHL player, but to get to get some of the things that they got out of that is a testament to the work that Tim Army put in. You know, to get the improvement over the course of the season that Grigorenko had, a lot of that goes to Tim Army. If you look at the defense, where's the similar story? Yeah. Where's the where's the defenseman? You know, it wasn't it wasn't like Chris Bigra and Bodner Chuck and Redmond weren't staying thirty minutes after practice every single day. Which, uh, for the record, they should all be nominated for the Masterton for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't see like. Donut shop. Dude, I just don't I just don't see the same thing. Nate Ginnon stayed late after practice every day and it just never translated to anything on the ice. Holden has spent time and time again working with him. Tyson Berry has spent a million practices staying late after practice, working on the defensive zone stuff that he still isn't good at. You know, the way that the way that it's not just that. You know, Tyson Berry gets bodied in front of the net by somebody that's bigger than him. It's not going to bother me. You can't do anything about that. There's only so much you can do about yeah. not being strong. You know, <laughs> but when when he doesn't tie up the stick, when he isn't he isn't doing all the little things that defensemen consistently need to do to be disruptive defensively, but you see him do it in practice and it's not translating to games and it's just like there's there's just this breakdown between what the what they're working on in practice, where you see Farish working on some of this stuff, and he tries to go over it. It's just the message isn't getting through. It's not carrying over. Whereas you look at Tim Army on the other end, who's squeezing out every ounce of production. Andreas Martinson at eleven points this year. Like I never would have thought that coming into the season. You know, Jack Skilly had fourteen points. You know, did Mikhail Grigorenko had a 27-point season. He scored as many points this year as Eric Johnson did. Like, you know, there there were there's there are multiple guys on this team that benefited directly from working with Tim Army on a consistent basis. But you look at Dave Farish and you don't have any of those stories. If anything, you look at what happened to Chris Bigra towards the end of the season, and it makes you nervous. What the hell? What the hell happened to a kid that was known for poise and decision making and all you know being able to make the quick the quick pass and get rid of it all of a sudden he just has you know he's he's whiffing on passes he's, he's got the deer in the headlights thing and it happens after 30 games like the more Dave Farish works with some of these guys the worse they play it's a serious concern for me that's why I'd get rid of him more so than his 
his preference for for shot blocking systems and all of that it's because he can't he's he's not shown the ability to develop any of these guys to have a direct positive impact on any of their games that's a huge indictment and we got lots of reasons to get rid of the guy then <laughs> so <laughs> and I'm, and I'm glad you said what you did about Tim Army because I mean that's stuff that I'm never going to know about cuz I don't go to practice and right same you know, it's like you mentioned Tim Army and people were like, ah, he's the guy who coaches the friggin' power play. It sucks, you know. And right, it's good to know that. Well, know, and there's there's plenty of of cause con- for concern there. Tim yeah. Army's also the guy that quote unquote coaches the guys up on their faceoffs. And look at look at what Matt Duchesne's benefited from a couple of years of working with him. So it's not like Tim Army is without value as a coach. There are things that he does well, but. You know, when you do put him in charge of your power play, you are kind of at the mercy there of of some archaic thinking. Uh, we just need to, like, peel his eyes open like a clockwork orange and just make him watch the Blackhawks for, like, 48 straight days this summer. Well, I don't know that that's the team I would watch the power play of. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah. Not a power play, but... Oh, there's any... not a team in this league that's, that likes their power play. There's not a fan that's... in this league that likes their team's power play. I think that's probably true. The, the number one power play in the league. Their fans are like, oh, God, it sucks. <laughs> I remember Babcock's Red Wings. I used to love their power play, but I don't I don't know who was in charge of it. But I remember a couple years ago, just every time Colorado played them, I was like, good Lord, man. These guys move the puck, and it's filthy. Yeah. yeah I was a huge fan of that. Power play percentage, it looks like. <laughs> Behind the Ducks. Number two. Yeah. One of the things that Coach Q has consistently done poorly throughout his career is power plays. Yeah. And goalie management. Oh, Jesus. Well, fortunately, oh. his team as a whole is so damn good at five on five that that stuff doesn't make much of a difference. Yeah, and he has a 100-point score, too. No, nah, that didn't hurt. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the key to having an awesome team, then, is just to magically have a 100-point score. Yeah. There you go. Um. What it sounds like to me is what the team really needs for Wa to succeed is for the Colorado Avalanche to become a future head coach factory. We need assistant coaches who get hired to head coaching gigs quickly. You know, bring Dean up from San Antonio and let him have Farish's job. They might. I honestly, that's that is something I, I that I would strongly or, consider. Yeah, I, I think either he or Randy. Um you know, are, are being considered for that. I think Randy might be the, you know, if Dean comes up, Randy will be the new head coach of the Rampage. Um, but I'd be fine those, with either one of those guys because they've got proven results, man. Yeah, and those guys are both defensemen. They they were both NHL defensemen, um, you know, so they both have defensive backgrounds. Dean has, you know, head coaching experience, so he, you know, he's good with the offense as well. I know everyone's just going to just go nuts over saying that, but Dean's actually a good teacher. Hmm. You know? Well, that might be why you you keep him down there in the AHL then, but you also have to worry about Well, Randy's NHL a good team. teacher too. I mean, I think both those guys are very good. I mean, it, it's, you know, their problems all stay, stem from player management, player usage. Right. And and we don't know, you know, how much of that is dictated by other forces. Um but, you know, it, I, I just get the feeling that one or both of those guys are going somewhere up. 
Yeah, I got word from our new guy in San Antonio that he hears he might be extended three years, um, you know, following the season. They Dean? might announce that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So they like him enough to offer that contract. I mean, I'm not sure where that is, but. Yeah. So um, there's other things that are looking to be in flux over the summer, apart from coaching, of course. Um, as the spring trickles on and starts to bleed into summer, how much should we be concerned that JT Comfer hasn't signed yet? I'm not. You're not concerned at all? I'm really not. I I mean, obviously, I made the mistake of fucking passing along something that a source told me. And, you know, obviously that didn't go well, but... We there, I all I all I've all I've heard about this honestly is that he's he just has too many reasons to leave. There there are just too many reasons to leave unless getting a degree is like crazy crazy important to him and I suppose it could be. But unless unless it's like number one priority for him is I want to graduate and I want to get a degree, I. I think because an NBA will really get you the bucks, but you know NHL players they don't make squat. I, right, I'm saying like I just don't. It just doesn't make sense to me for him to stay there. You know, outside of Berenson's last year, you know his line mates have all left. His friends are have left. Kyle Connor's going to leave. There's no reason for Kyle Connor to continue on at Michigan. There's nothing left for him to prove there, and there's an opening on the Avalanche roster for him. So. Can you can you say? I mean, I don't follow college hockey enough to say, but can you say that Michigan will not be as good as they were this year? No, I mean there are there. You know, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Michigan hockey. It's not. It's yeah, not I mean, a. They're a good program, but right. They they recycle talent as well as anybody. But no, they you don't lose the kind of talent that they've yeah. lost in Orensky and Mott and and Connor and some of the. I mean, even some of the depth guys have left. So. No, they're no. Didn't the coach leave too? No, no. Yeah, he 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 came back for one year. Okay. It's his final year before he retires. Okay. Let's turn this to Butcher then. What's his what's Denver's situation next year? Are they gonna be better or worse? Um the Pios? Yeah. Uh, I think the Pios are gonna be better. They have some big time recruits coming in and the guys that they lost, I think they'll be able to replace. So um Butcher stays another year? Yeah, I think Butcher's going to be the captain of the Pios since Grant Arnold is a senior. He's gone. I think there's nothing to support that, Birch. Just stop talking. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I think Butcher's the captain. I think he comes back. He has all the reason in the world to come back. I think if they won the national championship, I think he would have signed. And I also I do know 100% like for a fact that the Avalanche do want to sign him right now. But I think Butcher has lots of reasons to stay, and he's going to. Do they want to sign him to get him into pros right now, or do they want to sign him to avoid issues down the road? Uh, that I don't know the answer to. Yeah. But oh, they, do, they do really like his upside. They think, yeah. they think that he could be a solid second-pairing guy for them down the road. Well, once you sign an ELC, you can't play anymore. In college. <clears throat> That's it. He's a rampage. Right, but I, th I think the question is, do you sign him because you want to get him to pro hockey because you think he's ready, or do you sign him to avoid him leaving in a year? 
And I think it's both, personally. I think they want to avoid that drama with both of those guys. But, you know, with the defense, it's a little tougher. Personally, I don't think he's quite pro-ready. I think one more year of big-time college hockey being the man, being able to play in all situations, everything, I think I think that's going to benefit his game a lot more than him getting the Mason Gertzen treatment this year that, you know, in, in San Antonio next year. Would, I'm not sure benefit, he would because so. I, I think with Nero leaving, I think that there's a there's a definite hole for your puck mover offensive defenseman down there. I just don't I just don't know what they're gonna do. They have so many guys down there that they have to make decisions on. So many restricted free agents. Right. Like and I mean, do you bring back a guy like Nate Gennon just as a as a San Antonio rampage, as a development guy, you know, as maybe the twelfth guy on your NHL depth chart if you really badly need one to come up at some point you know like do you I find myself saying yes after the past month I you know and I wouldn't hate it because I've always felt like he would be he would be a much better fit helping develop those kids down in the AHL where he's also gonna help his you know help the team win Nate Ginnon's another guy that I think is on a coaching staff within five years yeah I mean he's he's a half a point a, a, a game guy down there he was a big influence on Zadorov before Zadorov's final call-up. Then he, you know, he took Mason Gertzen under his wing. Mason started playing a lot better, and now he's mentoring Boykov in the last few games. Yeah, it. I mean, he's you know he's what they they hoped they were getting with Matt Clark, right. which didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been interesting to see after how much of a struggle Nate Ginnon's had in the NHL, um, which might be partially because of overusage, but that's beside the point. Um, I, I don't think any of us expected him to go down to the AHL and turn into a quadruple A type of player. Yeah, I mean, he's assisted on two game-winning overtime goals in the past week. I mean, you know, <laughs> he is not, you know, just the war club type defenseman down there. I mean, he can, you know, he can make plays down there. He doesn't bleep bloop and stand in his corner. No, not at all. And add to that that, you know, we think that Randy and, and Dean's system down there is, is probably a little bit better for winning games. Right. Well, uh, we touched on this, you know, last week, I believe, in that some of these players are choosing free agency after college because they don't have the same a great opportunity to get to the NHL. There's not a pipeline both Comfer and Butcher are looking at good opportunities in the organization almost immediately. Especially well, when you talk Comfer. about these these college guys that have left in the last couple of years, first of all, there's been four of them. Right. In like what, the last I think four years. So you've got one guy every year that's leaving. Yeah. And you look at the you look at the situations, they all have specific reasons for leaving. You know, right. Justin Schultz left because Anaheim had a majillion defensemen to pick from. And he wanted to be able to go and get NHL playing time right away. So he went to a place where they didn't have anybody in Edmonton. That was one that made perfect sense. Right. Like, Uh, I get that. Two of the others, fathers in the front office, you know? Uh, Right. Everyone knew Jimmy VC was happening. Well, and everybody knew Mike Riley was going to sign with Minnesota because his dad works for the team. Mm -hmm. Like, we knew that was going to happen. That everybody knew that was coming. The only one, I mean, Kevin Hayes, the, the only thing that happened there was that there were two teams that had a need for him that were very excited about having him, and 
you know, he picked the wrong one. <laughs> he he picked he picked the one that at the last minute was gonna lose out on him because he was already he'd already he was coming to Colorado, and at the last minute the Rangers guaranteed him NHL spot all season, and when he asked the Avs if they would do the same, the Avs said no, you're gonna come in and compete, and he said okay, I'm a Ranger, but I respect you. So. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know about that last part, but <laughs> this whole Kevin Hayes thing is something I just learned a couple weeks ago. Was that he was he was all buttoned up, he was an AV, and then the Rangers found out that he was an AV, and they were like, "Well, we're just gonna promise him an NHL spot." Yeah, and the AVs were like, "Whoa, we're not gonna set that precedent." Yeah, it's hard to blame them for something like that. I, you know, I, I kind of do. If you go back and you look at that team, there's no reason that they should have been like, you're going to have to come in and compete with these fucking 15 guys who aren't going to be in pro hockey in a couple of years. <laughs> in my in my opinion, man, have a little confidence in the guy that you're recruiting. Yeah. Give him an NHL spot. Like, you're chasing that guy for a reason, aren't you? Damn. That's true. I mean, if, you know, if you're recruiting him to go to the AHL, then... <laughs> I understand that you don't want to set that precedent for a guy like JT Comfer or Will Butcher. Like if you, if Will Butcher's like, you need to guarantee me an NHL spot. You're just going to giggle and be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no offense, dude, but you still need like several years of seasoning before All we right. get to that point. All right. Well, maybe Edmonton will do that for you. Yeah, exactly. Like here, we'll let you go to a, a you know, an organization with tons of failure on their recent record. But you know, a guy like a guy like Comfort, they should do the same thing. They should be like, "Hey, you want an NHL spot? That's that's what's going to get you to leave Michigan and not burn us, as you were a com- key component of the O'Reilly deal." Yeah, sure, we'll do that. We'll promise you that. Just fucking trade John Mitchell, give him his spot. You know, it doesn't have to be glamour glamorous minutes. Nothing wrong with him playing ten minutes a night and learning. Yeah, yeah, John Just Mitchell that. is on my list too. So, well, we can move out to that, onto that one pretty quickly here. Um, Agazino centered the fourth line for the last, what, three, four games there, so... I liked it. Not necessarily yeah. the centering part, but... On the fourth out line. there, yeah. Right. Well, he my point well. is, there's room for a fourth line center on the abs right now. Oh, yeah. And I like Agazino. I always have. Um, it just, he seems to be Patrick Waugh's, like, last ditch. All right, well, let's, let's throw out Ags. Well, he hasn't played center in two years, and about a week and a half before Miko was going to come down again, they said, hey, why don't we try you at center here in San Antonio, see what happens. And sure enough, it's called up to the Avs as a center. But, I mean, he's been a wing for the last two years. Yeah. And, you know, I like him for a lot of the reasons I like Jack Skilly, and I like him as a younger and cheaper option. Yeah. You know, his game's just similar. He's very north-south, and, you know, he's got enough handle, and he takes shots. Yeah. And he's, he's better than Jack Skilly, in my opinion. Yeah. He's not as fast, but, you know, and he's not as big, but he gets the puck on net. He's very focused on creating shots when he's in the offensive zone. Fun he fact. on the abs long enough. <laughs> he only had three shots on goal in nine games. Yeah. I was so surprised when I looked that up because I felt like he was always shooting the puck, but he just wasn't getting him on net. That Maybe line was, was missing a lot. Buried every game, though. That's I mean, true. they were they were just terrible. Yeah. 
So um, John Mitchell will is on the books next season for one point eight million, uh, which is a lot for what that guy now brings. Which is also to say his trade value may not be what we would like it to be. I think we are all pretty much in agreement and moving on from John Mitchell. What would you take for John Mitchell? It depends on the, you know, are you trying to get something? Are you trying to get rid of Trying to get rid of his salary is what you're trying to get rid of. Yeah, if you're you're just trying to get rid of his salary, then take a seventh rounder. Good. Take whatever you can get. Yeah. Or include him in something else if that's what's going to happen. Include him in a deal on the draft floor. That's where I think you're going to get it. The same thing with Nick Holden. I think Nick Holden's going to end up elsewhere. I think he's going to end up somewhere specific, but I don't want to get into that. I think he's going to end up elsewhere as part of a big a big package deal. Um, I think John Mitchell, that's where you're going to get the value out of him. John Mitchell's going to convince a team... You know, oh, he can come in and play fourth line minutes for us right now. We're going to give you a B level prospect or a fourth round pick. You know, you recoup one of the picks that you lost at the deadline, kind of thing, as part of a package deal. You're not going to trade him straight up and get dick. So don't don't even don't even worry about it. Don't don't waste any time on it. You know, have him as a as a throw in that gets you an extra pick that you gave up at the deadline for something bigger. I mean, he could be a great fit in Toronto next year. Even. I mean, he could he could be a great fit in Calgary too. If you're going to trade Varlamov to Calgary, throw in John Mitchell, and you know maybe maybe you get something else. <laughs> so you read that on HF boards, didn't you? <laughs> me? I oh, I'm like I don't do that to myself. <laughs> People start saying trade Varlamov and my stomach starts to rumble. It's like, no. <laughs> well, Not yet. Um, you might want to prepare that tum-tum. <laughs> I don't even remember what month I'm due for Paralysec again. It might be next month. Might have to get ready for it. Um, so, another piece that the Avalanche have a decision to make on is Mikkel Bodker. That's an easy decision, in my opinion. I think it is, too. Peace out, Girl Scout. He uh, he came in and had a really hot honeymoon period with the team, and then Nathan McKenna went down, and we were like, oh, that's who you were in Phoenix. I mean, still, you know, 12 points in 18 games wasn't, wasn't too bad. Was more productive down the stretch than some of Colorado's better players. But the problem was that you saw what he was when the lights went off, man. Like... He checked out. Dude, like when he was not engaged, he was so bad. They could have they they very might have very well might have lost the Minnesota game because of him being lazy. Because that that turnover exiting the zone that turned into their first goal was atrocious. Never should happen to a quality NHL player, especially one that might want five million dollars a year. Because what? Yeah, it's crazy. That's no. If uh, in my opinion, if the Avalanche could talk him into four, four million, four million dollars a year, or you know, the the same amount of money that he was making, but give him like a five year deal, that's a conversation. Woo, Flyers! That's a conversation that we could have. <laughs> I'm still intrigued by the talent, but not for the money that he's going to demand, and somebody's probably going to pay him. So, you're right. That's probably an easy decision. You set your price point. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's hope it. he signs for it. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if you're like, hey man, we're gonna we're gonna sit you next to Nathan McKinnon for 82 games next year, and you guys are just gonna light fire to the ice, and that's gonna be a lot of fun. Then okay, cool. You know, four million dollars a year for five years. He's only 26 years old. You're good. No, you know, not exorbitant, but he gets paid and he gets he gets security. Yeah, he fits into that John or Jerome McGinley kind of contract slot. You know, that sort of money. Right, like go ahead and go ahead and slot him there. I would take him for that. Like I, that's fine with me. Did you get the Sundberg deal? Say that again. That was super quiet. Would you give him the Soderberg deal? Five at four seventy-five. Lord, I'm sorry, no. no. Yeah, I would say four point five would be my my hard line in the sand. I I wouldn't even go that high. And if he's if he wants to start things around five, I, what I would have to say to that is, well, enjoy Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if again, like you offer you offer up your points, you know, you offer it up, your 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 package, and that's it. Don't don't move from that. Don't no. You value him at a certain price, and that's great, but don't don't go from there. I'd, I'd rather have Matthias than him any day. Anyway. Yeah, like I want to transition to that because I think there's another easy decision on the table. Sign me Sean Matthias for three years, please. Yeah, well, and sign him for John Mitchell's money because there's no way he deserves the the salary that he was making this no. year coming off an eighteen goal season. That was a special deal. Yeah, that was a Leafs deal. That there's that had no. a purpose to make a cap minimum. There that should be, be that should be he should get John Mitchell's deal. Just yeah. three years at one point eight. Yeah. Please. And put him on the third line and leave him there. Uh, yeah. but I really like what he brings to the team. I think Patrick Wong loves his game. Yeah. I mean, too. There's a I, lot of reasons to love his game. He fits in really well here. He's big I, skate and he goes to the front of the net. I mean it's you know, there's not too many of those on our team. His work along the boards is exemplary compared to most people <laughs> skating on this team. Uh, behind the net, he's effective as well. And, you know, he and causes great on the penalty kill. Yes. Fantastic. Like, the number of times that he and Soderberg have created chances going the other way on the PK. It, like, I get excited when they take penalties now because I'm like, here we go. We, <laughs> yeah. get to, we get to watch this again. <laughs> you know, with with thirty four, ninety two, and eighteen, those those that trio, and then you throw yeah. in Como, and oh. to a lesser extent Mitchell, like they came up with some legit quality penalty kill combinations at the end of the year, where it was not Cody McLeod chasing people around. Yep. It's just when you're that tall, you have such a, a great radius of influence with your stick that. You know he doesn't have to block shots, but he can. You know he can get his stick in there and, and, and just mess with people. And he can clear a puck like a, an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's Not just how, me. <laughs> he causes more turnovers than than he actually turns over himself. I mean, it's it's. I it think he creates more scoring opportunities like than he allows. <laughs> Like the amount of people that had issues, like the amount of, of smart people that had issues with him when they when the Avs went out and got him, and just watching how he played down the stretch, I just didn't get it. Cause that's he was there was nothing to dislike about him. He found ways to be impactful in his time. And it's eleven six, points in goals. twenty games. Yeah, six goals, eleven points in twenty games. I, I honestly don't know <clears throat> how much of a problem people had with Sean Mathias, the player, so much as Sean Mathias, the 
the impending free agent on a team not likely to make the playoffs. I think that's where a lot of the criticism started with. Like, I get that he didn't have sexy advanced stats. Like, he just looked like another another guy that the Az are going out and getting because he was big. But that dude, that dude fit in very, very nicely. And I think, I think he's found a home here. He should have found a home here. Well, it, and I also, I, I think he was a guy that the Avs probably were looking at last summer. I mean, it just he screams Avs so much, and you know, I can't blame him for taking the money that he did in Toronto. But you know, I'm sure the Avs probably saw that, and they were like, "Well, there's no way we're going to match that." But um, you know. They, They've wanted a guy like that for a while, and and it just seems like a great fit. Of course, Toronto intentionally signed that guy to use as a trade piece at the deadline. So, yep, yeah, like half their roster. Yeah, um, except PA. <laughs> yeah, twenty goal how, score. How funny was that? <laughs> well, should we talk about trading core pieces now? <sighs> Well, we can we could do that, or we could talk about signing Alex Radulov. That's my other thing, but uh, oh, okay. That, that that's my my before we get into contracts. Those are my two remaining things. Uh, who's untouchable? Miko Rantanen. <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah. Even though his season may not have been what we would like it to have been. And that's a wrap. Cody McLeod. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so hesitant on giving up Matt Duchesne for anything short of like PK Subban. Good lord. Right. Makes and, me so uh, nervous. That's somebody who I believe should be untouchable, but the organization likely doesn't believe the same. I mm. I think that would really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> it would hurt so, me I'm, personally very much. My <laughs> fan interest in the team would drop you know, in amounts. I'm not sure what that would be yet, but I, I would not be a fan of that. Think of me, Avalanche. <laughs> is. I, I write about you on the internet. Think about that. <laughs> That's right. We talk to like 200 people a week about you. <laughs> sometimes way more. Sometimes closer yeah. to 200. Respect, okay? Um, so... With that out of the way, let's let's go ahead and bring up the name of the summer, which looks to be Alexander Radulov. So this is looking more and more likely to be a thing for reasons. Can they sign him without getting rid of a core player's salary? That's a nice question. Um, it depends. Do you think Bartley's a core player? <laughs> Man, people are gonna love this podcast. <laughs> you know, but seriously, I mean, can he? Do you think he he would take a salary that would fit in the structure if they kept all the core guys? He turned down $5 million in the KHL. I can't imagine he's going to make significantly more than that per year in the NHL. Yeah. I think you can figure out a way to do it. I mean, it's going to take getting rid of a little bit of salary, like a John Mitchell salary, but and I Nick think you can do it. And Nick, Hol- Nick Holden's another good example. I think it depends on what Tyson Berry ends up making, which, you know, a lot of us think that's 
can speculate all over the place on that. <laughs> but you know, he's going to make some money. Just put him at six to be safe. Yeah, and that's your starting point. But if you're paying McKinnon six, you're paying Barry six. You could How about probably McKinnon take the bridge money. deal then. <laughs> I don't Is that on the table? That. Oh, not if you ask him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, I haven't heard anything other than he wants a long-term deal, and that's you know. that's the only thing he's told. Him, I think yeah. the three of us that asked all year was that and I want I don't to sign him one bit for it. No, no, of course not. No, and I think it behooves the Avs to do it as well. I think they end up yeah. saving money in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I want him long term. Yeah, I'd I'd like to sign him long term after a down season too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, it's in, that's, a, that's a slam dunk. I mean, you're going to get it for the R&H deal instead of having to go much bigger. <laughs> right. You're, you're not seeing him do like what, for example, Nazem Kadri did and say, let's do this one or two year deal or PK Subban also did. And let's do this one or two year deal and take a bet on myself and go earn bigger money than I'm going to get long term right now. Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> but I think the player you do bridge at this juncture is Mikhail Grigorenko. I think he's the type of player with his output this year that would be very I think he could earn a bigger contract in two years and I think the Avs could save a little bit of money right now I talked about this last night in my like two hour late night Twitter session I was talking to people but I think I think a two year deal for two mil per would be a fair deal yeah, for Grigo? yeah. that seems because a little high for, for it, it is yeah. it is a little bit high because but you also think if you get 40 points out of him the next two seasons for a combined $4 million, it could be great value or you're overpaying him just slightly. Because, I mean, he put up just a little bit more production than John Mitchell did this year. You're already paying John Mitchell 1.8, so it's not, it's not totally out of line. But for a 21-year-old that you expect to continue getting better through time, I don't, I don't think it's too, too out of line. It'd be it'd be more than he probably should make on a deal, but I think you give him two million dollars to buy the second season, as opposed to giving him a one year deal for a million dollars right now. Go out, watch him have forty five points, and you're not gonna get him for a million dollars or two million dollars the next year. You're gonna get him for three or four million dollars after that. Well, I saw your your Twitter thing last night, and you you came up with what like. Four years at one point five or something like that. No, that was that was somebody that was talking. That was their suggestion was oh. four four years, six million dollars, and I was like, um, I mean, I don't know why he'd take that, but what about three years at you know John Mitchell money? I Slightly would do that, and if if I'm the Avalanche, I sign that that thing in blood. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's you know no John boss. Mitchell money. I mean, that's that's a two hundred percent raise for him. Well, he's he's an RFA. I mean, anything is going to be a race for him here. Yeah, I mean, he he made barely over the league minimum this year. But I'm just saying. I mean, you know, he he's got a guarantee no matter how things go. If he's got three years at at one point eight, let's say, and you know, he could get a a big old payday at the end. Or you know, if he doesn't do so hot, he's he's you know he's got a bunch of money in the bank. He's a married man. He's got to think about stuff like that. What do you think the chances are of a guy like Grigorenko ending up in arbitration? Not good. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know why he would. You don't think he'll yeah. get that far? I just don't see the benefit for him. 
Yeah, I, was, I mean, I can't see an arbitrator really laying him good money down. Right. He doesn't have the raw production yeah. to get a pay increase from it. I think he like, recognizes he's in a good situation for him here. Well, like, yeah. we can all be, we can all agree that we're excited about what he did this year, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, we can all be encouraged by the progress that he made. 27-point season, you know, feel pretty good about it, right? It's really but his first full season in the NHL. So. At, at the same time, it's a 27-point season. Yeah. Right. Like, paper, that's not a pay increase. Right. But half that he spent... You know, being a healthy scratch and and playing on the fourth line as well, so. Well, that would be his agent's only good argument in arbitration. So no, I don't, I don't, I just don't see the upside of arbitration for him. I you just know, he played seventy four games this year. I mean, gosh, it doesn't seem like it, but. Yeah, and I mean, all those scratches were in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, he had a lot of those seventy four games were like under ten minutes too. Yeah. Right. So his agents could be arguing per minute statistics, which probably won't go over <gasps> very well. Either. Actually, <laughs> I have that sitting here. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, one point one point six two on the avalanche. He was fifth on the avalanche in uh, points for sixty. The only guys who were ahead of him were Duchesne, Matthias, Landeskog, and McKinnon. Wait, that was really sweet passes per sixty. That's got it. Really that. sweet passes per sixty. <laughs> he led the Avalanche in primary assists per sixty. Yeah. Yep. So you know. Let's find. He was, he was third in just primary assists. I would really like to see a hero chart on this guy for one season, but the Tableau Visual at Own the Puck only does three year, and that oh, makes yeah. me sad. Yeah. Well, I made I made the comparison last night to Sean Couturier. If the Avalanche were to talk to him and say, "Hey, we want you to focus on being a defensive stopper, win faceoffs, you know, go up against the best lines, and still chip in some points every year," I made the I made the Sean Couturier comparison last night, and their numbers are actually very similar when you when you throw them next to each other in that Warrior chart. They're they're almost the they're almost a copy of each other. Yeah, if his defense continues the same way it is, I mean, you know, he could be Soderberg by the time Soderberg's done. I don't I don't love Soderberg's defense. I think he's an average defensive center. I'm just saying think, that role though. Yeah, I think I think Grigorenko's the if they if the Avalanche wanted of the guys on the the roster right now, I'm not I'm not counting Sam Bennett when they trade Varley for him. <laughs> but on the roster right now, Grigo has the best chance to be that guy. Yeah. So, um, contracts coming up for Barry, for McKinnon. Um, we kind of, like, zipped over those because we were trying to talk about Mr. Russia at the time. Oh, yeah, Radulov. Uh-huh. Um, we were, we were like, Hey Rads. Yeah. But Barry and McKinnon, oh, but Grigorenko. <laughs> it's like, there's so much going on this summer. There's so right. much to I look know. forward to. Um, there's other notables with RFA deals ending include Calvin Pickard. Uh, so I'll, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Give him John Gibson's deal. Yeah. As well as Brandon Gormley. <clears throat> see what happens with that guy, whether he stays with the organization or not. Bye-bye. I don't think he likes his opportunity here. Uh, Andreas Martinson's up for an RFA deal. Sure. Two ways. Get it. Yeah. 
Born Arendelitz. You qualify. Oh yeah, I would. I would bring him back. Our source in San Antonio thinks he's gone as soon as the rampage season is over. That is Borna? so disappointing to hear. Who Borna? Yep. You think he's going back to Europe? Uh, that's a word I've heard. Uh, not verified, but yeah, I think he wants to sign in Europe. I could see that. Um, he's played very well the last week or so, but he's just so inconsistent. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see what he'd look like after another year of development because his rookie year, he was, you know, had no idea what he was doing. Then he broke his leg. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, the, he's got a lot of talent, but he's just got a lot of holes. I'm just not sure he's he's going to be an NHL guy. Uh, he's yeah. going to be playing for Croatia at the Worlds, though. They're in the third tier, but. Oh, and then come World Cup time, he could be on Team Sum of Europe. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make that team, but he won't. He won't be on that team. He could be. You don't know. He won't be on that team. <laughs> um, so what we're looking at there then is either having to pay him more than we want to to keep him in North America, or qualify him, keep his rights, and say enjoy Europe. Yeah, right there. Tough. You know, the Abs don't have a lot of uh, you know players coming up. You know, at least through the junior ranks this year, I mean, uh, you don't have a lot of wings. I mean, it's been a problem they've had for years. And they all it's play really for just, the Ronda. It's just Nantel. Just Nantel. <clears throat> and then also on that list, Dennis Everberg. I'd they, keep him. Gosh, you got to keep him. You have to. I think so as well. He's, um, he's been so solid the past couple of months. Yeah, and then never really getting <clears throat> another NHL shot after his one this season was early the season was so poor yeah well him him didn't he get hurt like right when Agazino got called up yeah he's been he's been dealing with some small injuries off and on for a couple of months but um when he has played especially i mean obviously ben street's gonna make everyone look awesome but you know the past few games he's looked really good the last <clears throat> the last name i want to mention is sammy idocalio do we think the Avs qualify Sammy? Maybe. Dude, if they can talk him into coming back over and taking uh, Roman Will's spot, that'd be perfect. Because Roman Will's also up, and I would definitely be a, a fan of walking away. Yeah. yeah. He hasn't played in weeks. The, the last time we saw him, he was getting yanked after letting in six goals, and Spencer Martin came in, and then two shutouts in the next four games. And then he was player of the week, and then he went back to the ECHL. And then, yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> but doesn't Martin take that spot next year? Doesn't he have to? Yeah, I mean, I think Martin and Yogi or someone like Yogi will be the goalies in San Antonio. I think it's going to be, I think it should be Martin and Ida Collio and your NHL goalies are going to be uh, Pickard and Barra. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. This has been the Indigestion Cast. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I really like Pickard. I don't know if I like him that much right now. Well, when we get a new defensive coach, I, I'm sure any goalie could do his job, you know? How are we going to get Dave Tippett? <coughs> <laughs> He's busy. Pay him that John Mitchell money. He'll come. Pay Dave Tippett the John Mitchell money. One guy I'd like to mention is is Sergey Boykov, who signed his ATO last week and has uh, now played in a couple of games, and he's been very impressive. Um, you know, he, he he's been coached very well 
down in the queue. I mean, he he might have the best gap control already on the rampage, and he's very good positionally. Good. Um, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I mean, what he's shown is that he has a very high floor. I, I couldn't tell you what his ceiling is right now, but it's just nice to have a guy come in, you know, that can skate, that can outlet a pass, that can move the puck, and that can, like, play real, you know, professional defense right off the bat. So I, it, it's really exciting what, you know, ju- he's shown in just two games. So I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get an ELC. Um, so there's, uh, just all kinds of stuff to keep an eye on this summer and hopefully most of it will be decided relatively quickly. I think the sooner the better on most of it. Obviously some of it has work. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Obviously some of it's going to wait until July one, uh, specifically Mr. Rads. Does he have to wait till July one? Yes. I don't think so. He's not under he's not under anyone's rights, is he? Uh, Should, shouldn't be. No, he should be. He's a UFA. Yeah. So he, I mean, we could sign him today. He's a UFA right now, isn't he? No. I mean, how many times have we seen guys come over from the KHL? They're UFAs. You have to wait till July first. Oh, okay. So he he would. I mean, have think to... about look at look at Tikhanov and Panarin last year. Okay. They, they came over from KHL as UFAs, and they had to wait till July one. Okay. So they, you know, they theoretically have to go through waivers if they signed, even if it was in May or June. Well, let's not do that. Okay. No waivers. <laughs> Isn't that right, Calgary? You don't want to sign a guy and then immediately waive. <laughs> what a disaster that could have been. God, um, the what if of that is so phenomenal. I know it's the best. <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of funny turns in the Ryan O'Reilly saga. That might have been the po- funniest possible. Columbus ends up with Ryan O'Reilly, and the Avalanche end up with Sean Monahan, and Calgary ends up with a big old whoops. <laughs> and a Dunkin' Donuts in Columbus gets smashed into it instead of a Timmy's. Right. And then he gets nominated for the Masterton. <laughs> so um, next week, we're going to start seeing uh, real hockey. Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, Word. The matchups are not completely hammered out yet. We know for sure that Dallas will take on Minnesota. Um, so whichever team wins, you know that the Minnesota franchise will claim that victory. Um, you got St. Louis against Chicago, which is a, you know traditional, of course. We have Tampa Bay against the Detroit Red Wings, and we have the Capitals against the Flyers. Still in the air, um, either Los Angeles or Anaheim will play San Jose or Nashville, and the other will play the other. And on the east side of things, it's Florida or Pittsburgh versus the Rangers or the Islanders. So, some interesting matchups there, for sure. Um, who are you guys rooting for this in the offseason, or in, in, the, in the playoffs? And obviously we know AJ's going to say the Islanders. A Tampa Bay sweep. <laughs> I want I want Datsuk to never win another NHL game. <laughs> I want I want him to retire to Europe after getting swept into the playoffs they never should have made in the first place. Even my friend who's a Red Wings fan was horrified at that. <laughs> it's like they have no business being there. But no, the Islanders, seriously. Go Isles. 
Yeah, I think okay. I mentioned this last week, but uh, I want to see the Panthers do it. Ooh. F them. <laughs> I'm just preparing for a first-round matchup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Philly and the Islanders are tied 2-2 right now. The winner of that game gets uh, Pittsburgh, right? Uh, yeah, if the Islanders win, they get they get Pittsburgh. Uh, if they don't, the Rangers get Pittsburgh. So, you also if you if you get yeah, Florida, it's gonna show. If you get Florida, you either get Tampa Bay or Detroit in the second round. So you're not just missing Pittsburgh; you're also missing Washington. That's a big deal. Yeah. So that's a very good. That's why they're sitting like 17 guys. <laughs> <laughs> they called up the whole AHL. Everyone in the league, come play for us today. Yeah, well, they have a bunch of Bridgeport guys playing right now, which is also kind of funny because Bridgeport is actually playing the Flyers, the, um, the Phantoms right now. <laughs> so It's just so annoying. We should have known the playoffs by there. The games being played today were delayed after the, uh, I think it was the, was it the Blizzard that, that it was delayed for? Yeah. The one that had Ovechkin on TV getting gas? Yeah. <laughs> that was glorious. That was the best. Hey, you random guy. What do you think about this storm? Hey. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, that's not that's an American accent. When when the Islanders lose in the first round to whoever they play, that's who I'm rooting for is Ovi. Yeah, I'm totally on the Capitals train myself. That team is so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I lived in D.C. for a little while, so I have some Caps allegiances. I'll go with them and the Islanders. Woot. And Dallas in the West. What? Well, I was going to say, I noticed all of you Barf. picked uh, Eastern Conference teams here. <laughs> That's because there's no good options in the West. Oh, the, only, the, only, the only Western Dallas option. Dallas Minnesota, so you got to root for that. And, I mean, they, their team is just, it's the least detestable of the bunch. See, I like San Jose because I love Jumbo Joe. He's getting old, and it'd be cool to see him win something. Yeah, we, we had this conversation on Twitter the other day, and I, I think it was you and I, AJ. And we kind of agreed that San Jose was the least hateable team in the West. I it it really is that's how that's that is how it is for me. San Jose, you know, I I hated him for a long time, but I like Joe Pavelski. He's one of the few American players that isn't loathsome to his very core. <laughs> so I know I know. like Reimer too. I, I don't. I mean, yeah, all right. If they make it to the finals, I'll I'll be fine with it. But. Well, it it just sucks that a guy is is a amazing as joe thornton and right now his legacy is is a loser you know the the guy that that he was on all these great teams for a number of years and one he was terrible in the playoffs he wasn't a good playoff player he's a fucking loser and they never they never won anything even when they were at their very best they could never handle the pressure and they shrank from the moment and lol that one king series so it was three nothing well, yeah, but I mean, like, like it just <laughs> it sucks that that's, but you know, I mean, Patrick Marlowe, Joe, those are those are some all time great players that yes. everybody just kind of giggles about. I think there's just there's there's a we've taken how special those guys are for granted feel about them, and I'd love to see him have a little late career surge. You know, I'm tired of watching Patrick Kane be happy. Like that's a <laughs> that's a fucking scumbag of a human being that just has everything go his way. And you get you get guys like Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton who just can't, who who don't you know they, they their legacy is as fucking losers and that's just I'm getting worked up now. Let's let's go through <laughs> the Western Conference playoffs teams and 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 look at why San Jose is the least hateable team out there. You've got Dallas who fuck Dallas, 
You've got, Thank you. You've got Minnesota, who, fuck Minnesota. Thank you. You've got the St. Louis Blues, who, ha, 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 Steve Ott's contract, and fake tough, <laughs> and fuck St. Louis. The David Backus School of fake tough? Yeah. Dude, and you, TJ, TJ Oshie is proud graduate. TJ Sochi. I'd like to see Paul Stasny win around. No. Oh. oh. You made some friends with that one. Um, and then you've got the Chicago you know, Blackhawks. I agree. I would like to see him win around. You know, I could even handle That's two. Fine. As long as he's beating teams that I like even less. Yeah, I don't want Chicago to get anywhere this year. That's I just want them done and over with immediately. Fourth team yeah. on the list is Chicago, who are the scummiest fuckers ever. Yeah, and no. then, but And so they, you've got... So far, we have two series that are both Meteor series. Right. <laughs> Next up, we have the LA Kings, who need to stop winning and being disgusting. Um, yeah, fuck them. We have the Ducks, who I love Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux and hate all the heels on that team, as yeah. I'm supposed to. Then we have Nashville. Eh. Don't hate Nashville. Like I'm that. pretty lukewarm on Nashville. But what are they? who's a better chance of succeeding in the playoffs? Yeah, well, that's why that's why they're, you know, eh, whatever. I mean, I'd like to see them win, but you know, and then we I'd have be happy to see them take out whoever in the first round, L.A. or Anaheim. That'd be great, and then that'd lose be, yeah. to San Jose. That'd be fun. I'm rooting for it, but it just and that leaves San Jose, who a lot of ABS fans have sour taste in their mouths about, which is I think a lot of it is San Jose's had the ABS number for a long time. Yeah, probably. And they Joe have Brett Stewart. too, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, Brett Stewart. Why? <laughs> it's not a podcast until you mention Brad Stewart. Uh, and Scott yeah. Hannon. Dude, the jersey off the back thing. So we were down in the tunnel, right? Like a bunch of the media people standing there. I had completely forgotten that he existed. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, they were like, oh, you know, getting number sixteen is Nikita Zadorov, and I was like, it would kind of suck to get that because that's a dress, like that yeah. is a gigantic jersey you just won. <laughs> and then, and then they were like, oh, and Brad Stewart, and like it was just like genuine shock. I was like, oh fuck, I forgot Brad Stewart was alive. <laughs> I didn't even know he gave the. I, I didn't even know he was a part of that. Yeah, they all were, dude. They all gave jerseys. Even Winchester. No, oh. he does not count. He doesn't count. No, he does not exist anymore. In, in the, I mean, the Avs gave his number away, for, for fuck's sake. They can't give away two 18s. It's true. He's an unperson. If Sean Mathias stays with the Avalanche, I do request he changes his number. Yeah, he... By now, he knows the history. Before it's too late. Yeah. Yeah. It was That was a fun conversation. No, they just assigned it to me. <laughs> like, dude... Don't keep change it. it. <laughs> don't keep it. <laughs> There's something about that number, man. You don't want it. Yeah. Take 37. Just yeah, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> just, just, just double it. Take 36. Don't. Yeah, Take 81. Well, I don't fucking care. Take 90. Thomas Mansour's number? That, that guy wasn't making the team anyway. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> So it sounds like we have a lot of Caps fans and a lot of Islanders fans on the show today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of East Coast fans, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's, it's really just rooting against the Rangers and the Red Wings and the other six teams I could live with. There are, there are things I could talk myself into being fine with. 
I cannot talk myself into being fine with either Pittsburgh team. Except for the Phil Kessel angle, but that, even that would be a tough pill to swallow. I just, uh, the Flyers normally I don't like, but that's been such a fun team for me to watch down the stretch that, fuck it. I could never sign on to a Rangers win in anything. My Islanders, my Islanders love says the same thing, but if if it means Henrik Lundqvist getting a cup in his career, I'll take it. That might be worth it. It's, I think it's funny how much pro-Islanders and anti-Rangers sentiment we have on Mile High Hockey. There's a lot of it. <laughs> There's, I, I just, damn it. Now, now I'm, now I'm wavering because now I'm thinking about Chris Kreider holding the cup and it's just, <laughs> it's just giving me like, like skin abrasions all over myself. <laughs> yes. Philly just scored. This Three, two flyers. Yes. Midway through the second. Yes. Right. Well, I was, I was born into a family of Ranger fans. My parents had season tickets and. I somehow, so you learned quickly. No, I, I mean, I, I, I did go to games at Madison Square Garden when I was, I don't know, one, two years old. But, you know, I saw the light and I became an Islanders fan very quickly. <laughs> I can't believe Datsuk's retiring. He's not retiring. He's going to play in another I country. mean. He's Kobe yeah. retiring. He's, and that they... They have to keep his thirty-five plus contract for seven and a half million. And then Holland's like, "Yeah, we're not going to try to get rid of that." So glorious. <laughs> well, you know, I'll take it too, man. I got to see like a Red Wings fan, you know, tear up a little bit. So that made my day. <laughs> Just. I just want to watch him take that Datsuit jersey out of his closet and like put it in a drawer somewhere. I just want that moment for myself. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Inflict maximum pain. <laughs> I promise right now, if I get that on video, it'll go on Mile High Hockey. Oh my <laughs> Everyone God. look forward to it. So, just for anonymity's sake, you don't want to publicly shame anybody, so you can blur out everything on their face except the tears. <laughs> oh, I'd wear out the face anyway, man. No one wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oh, so, so that's who we're uh, that's who we're hopping on the train for. Who do we actually think is has the best chance to win the cup? Penguins. Ooh. Think Justin Pen- Schultz is going to carry that team to the cup, huh? I think it's the Penguins or the Ducks. That would just be a detestable cup final. Ugh. That's just rude. That's not nice. Give me the caps, man. That's the best looking NHL team I've seen this year. Yeah. I think I think Avs fans feel partial to the caps because of what they did to the Avalanche. Yeah, but that was the a caps, dismantling. The caps, the caps also aren't quite that good. <laughs> like on a night to night basis. But four out of seven games, perhaps. The Caps have lost so many terrible series. I mean, I it's yeah, it, it's something that that would right a wrong. It, it's not quite the Red Sox winning the World Series, but it's you know maybe the God, hard. what a horrible thing that was for sports too. <laughs> Good God, did that ever open the floodgates for Boston? Yeah, finally things could go right for Boston sports fans. <laughs> it's been like ten years of never ending, just like. Oh, they have the worst team in baseball. <laughs> they win the World Series the next year. 
Fuck off. But they hadn't won a World Series in... Look, I was excited when they won it, okay? I was happy yeah. for those people, not knowing what was coming. I know. I, I, I spent a summer living in about three blocks away from Fenway. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet that would be awesome. That, would, yeah. that, sounds, that sounds like a great time, actually. It really was. $10 bleacher seats? Oh, yeah. yeah Boston is apparently a pretty cool place, uh, except the, their outward persona and less so. It would be nice if they would stop making movies about it. It's not that cool of a place. <laughs> Their police departments leave something to be desired. Yeah, I saw the spotlight. Won't <laughs> be making any movies about playoff hockey right now, so... <laughs> oh, tell them! All right, you guys. Yep. A lot of big names... Win the cup this year. Nobody's predicted that the uh, Florida Panthers are going to pull it off. That's because they're not actually that good. Yeah. <laughs> Went around. I do have a Panthers ver- jersey, so I, I guess I could, I could do that. Dude, have you just like split your whole life's fandoms into like thirty different teams? No, well, no, no, this isn't Andy remember here. The, <laughs> the Avalanche didn't exist before 1995, so it's like I lived in South Florida, they got a new team, I got a jersey at the second game ever, whatever. You know, I lived in D.C., I got a Caps jersey. Hey, who's on that, fl- that Florida jersey? Uh, it was like a promotional one. It's not even like... Blank! Oh! It's, it's, suck. It's like cotton. But So, no Tom Fitzgerald? No. <laughs> no... I can't even. I, I couldn't even tell you who was at that game. I <clears throat> that, that wasn't a very good team. And I, I have a Lightning jersey from their first season because my sister lived in St. Pete. She got it for me. Is that one blank too? Yeah, they didn't have customized jerseys back then. It was the dark ages. Man, you're easy to shop for. <laughs> oh shit! Who do you want on that? Ah, just the team. Well, then she moved to San Francisco and got me a Sharks jersey. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for Vegas to get a team, and we're just going to get you a blank Vegas jersey. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait till the Hurricanes move to QC and get me one of those. Here we go. Well, I'm out of stuff. You guys out of stuff? I think so. Out of hockey, man. <laughs> it's been a fun ride this season. Um, yeah. From the avalanche being way out of it to a holy crap back in it, and then kind of fart noise at the end. But uh, we had some, we had hope this season, unlike anything we had last year, which was just eighty-two games of pain. Between hope and nothing, I'll take hope. So, yo, and the tenth pick again. I mean, we got the tenth pick in wildly different oh, ways. No, we we, we have. So we, we have the first, second, third, tenth, eleventh, or twelfth, or thirteenth, or something like that. Don't do that. Don't be that guy on Twitter who's like, "We have an eleven percent chance for a top three pick." Do, I, I'm on Twitter. I have to be well actually guy on wellactually.com. <laughs> no. Actually, it's kind of Av's luck that they might get one of the top three. No, but it would be Av's luck if they ended up at thirteen. Yeah, that's more like <laughs> it. Sitting behind Boston, Carolina, and Ottawa. I'd say the highest percentage is they're going to be picking second or 13th, yeah. Dude, oh my god, if they got second, I would be so excited. I'd be jacked. Oh, another big fin. (laughs) Exactly, and you know which one they would get? It would be the one with the easy-to-spell last name and not the one with the poo joke. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'd, I'd send flowers or something, man. I don't have to type pull you Harvey for ever again. <laughs> I like that. I like that Tim Murray is his. You know, his team is tanking down the stretch, but he's refusing to go to the lottery. <laughs> Once burned, you know. Yeah, well, a year after making a mockery of the sport. Yeah, and then crying in public about how terrible it was to not get that pick. Well, by the way, welcome to the team, Jack. Uh, right. This is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be a great player, too. <laughs> oh, Tim Murray. Look, I'm sure you understand the score here. You're just not Connor McDavid. I'm, I'm just going to go. If you stay here, give me a couple minutes to get out of the building. I'm just going to go. I bet that's exactly how that went down. <laughs> what a fucking scumbag. So that does it for me. Um, you can look for the show to return, you know, later on as things happen again. Um, I'd like... As glacial pace. Yeah, as glacial pace. I would, I'll, I'll probably be doing a bit on the draft we'll probably do a bit uh we might do a show for free agency day again that that seems to be fun oh yeah world championships maybe world yeah. championships maybe maybe uh At least we'll borna wins if borna wins we'll definitely if, if if croatia suddenly gets promoted to div one and they win worlds there you go <laughs> <laughs> well, well board is just so good you just got to do it you got to put them up there it's not fair otherwise but the Croatian Gretzky. The Croatian fucking Gretzky. And I think we have a name for the show now. I was starting to worry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, no uh, no set obvious date for the show's return, but that's kind of how things work in Avalanche Land. You don't really know what's coming or when it's coming, but it's coming eventually. And so stay tuned to that on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash podcast and on mixcloud.com slash podcast or on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. Keep an eye on AJ at BSN Denver and keep an eye on the rest of us at milehighhockey.com as the summer progresses. You guys take care. Have a good one. Oh, the bomb. Oh, here it comes. Don't do that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, stab that deeper. I'm into that. Oh, you have no head. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This has been the uh, AJ Watches oh. Lord of the Rings podcast. Brought to you by Science. God, that was glorious. <laughs>